We're so glad that you found this Peak City message today. Our prayer is that during our time together, you're able to discover Jesus and are encouraged to follow him fearlessly. Man. Did you tell three people you love them? People need to hear it more, man. We're big, um, we're, we're a big uh, I love you uh, kind of family and people just with friends and all that. And I, the, the, more, the more I meet people, the more I hear that um, those words are often not shared with people, man. And I think if there's any place that someone should hear that they're loved, it's in the walls of a church. So um, we're gonna keep doing that. If it makes you feel weird, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but we do love you. Um, love you. Uh, a couple things real quick before we jump in. If you do have a Bible and you wanna get there, we're in uh, John chapter six. We're getting back to the life of Jesus today. All right, back to the life of Jesus. Uh, we took a break over the past several weeks talking about healthier marriages. We had killer messages from Kyle Veach and Josh Bourgeois. Do you guys appreciate those messages these last couple weeks? It's incredible. Uh, but we're getting back to the life of Jesus. All right, I'm, I'm learning more that when in doubt, get back to Jesus. When, in, when, you, when you're not sure where to go next, just get back to Jesus. When life's going great, get back to Jesus. When, life, when your week sucks, get back to Jesus. Just get back to Jesus, and, and, and you're, on a, you're on a good path, and so we're gonna get back to Jesus today. Um, I, I, I do wanna remind you to continue um, looking and having eyes to see in our community the needs that are around you. For those of you that are new, we had a ministry that we started last year called See the Need where we empower you to let us know what the needs are that you see in the community. If that's uh, someone you meet, someone that, uh, that you work with, someone you go to school with that is in, uh, a, is in financial need or relational need, something we can help with, uh, let us know on the website and we can step in and fill the gap uh, because of your generosity. So um, we, we've had so many cool stories come through of uh, paying for a single mom's um, uh, 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 car repair bills, uh, paying for medical expenses for a family that was, un, uh, that was unable to do so. Just real uh, tangible hands and feet of Jesus kind of ministry. So I, I wanna encourage you to continue um, letting us know about that and uh, continue giving so that we can continue meeting all the needs in our community. People need to know there's a church that's for them. And, and I believe we should invite everybody to church. If you got a pulse, you should be invited to church. Um, but I also think some people just need to know that you care more than an invite. They need to see it. They need to feel it. And so um, make sure you have eyes to see that, and let's keep, let's keep being that church. Uh, we are going to get back to Jesus today. All right, John chapter 6. Um, we're going to be in verse 53. And um, God has given me this, you know, in my time with him, mm, Whew, that swallow didn't go down easy. No, I'm good. I'm uh, uh, coming back from a cold, so the, the swallowing sometimes doesn't work. God has given me these two words over my, my past several weeks of being with him, and those two words are get ready. Get ready. Get ready because he's doing something. You know, he's, um, you might not know this, but he is doing something in the church at large right now. And, and at the risk of sounding like a hype machine, like he is doing something. Like if, if, if you've been paying attention to the media, there is something happening right now in the church at large. There are like revivals breaking out for days at a time. I don't know if you know this, but like my old hometown, my old stomping grounds of Wilmore, Kentucky has, there ain't nothing there but a Christian college and a gas station. And my parents owned the gas station when I was growing up. So I was, I was not a follower of Jesus. So I did all kinds of not following Jesus things all over that campus. Um, these students decided last week that they were just gonna keep worshiping after a chapel service. And they kept worshiping, and they kept praying, and they kept worshiping, and they kept praying. And they went on for 24 hours, and 48 hours, and 72 hours, and 96 hours, and now we're 11 days in, and they haven't stopped. 
and it's spreading to other campuses. God's doing something. I don't know what it is, but he's doing something. Uh, Gen Z, who's leading the movement, they've been uh, described as the generation that has left the church and will never come back. And in this moment, God's doing something. He's saying, like, Gen Z's standing up and saying, no, 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 we're in. We're, we're gonna follow Jesus. We're actually gonna lead the way in it. We're gonna show you what it really looks like to love Jesus. God, I, I don't know what it is. I can't tell you exactly what the five, 10 year out plan looks like, but God is doing something in the church at large. There's something happening. And then, and then I, I, I transition to, to our church. And I go, God is doing something in our church. Um, some of y'all think this is normal. Some of y'all think it is normal that we've not had a Sunday since Memorial Day weekend 2021. That was the last time that we'd had a weekend without at least one person becoming a Christian every single Sunday. One person making a decision to start following Jesus. It's incredible. And some of y'all, some of y'all have been coming here for like a year and you're like, oh, that's just what they do. <laughs> that's just normal. That's not normal. God's doing something. You can see it in the room. There are people that are loving God. You can hear the stories. I just walked out of culture class and there's, there's just, God is doing something. And you know, like in, in, in culture class just now in the last service, someone asked me like, where do you see Peak City going? I'm like, I don't know, but God's doing something. I don't know, but he's doing something. And then and so I'm, I'm thinking about all this stuff that's happened in the church. I'm thinking about our church and we're busting at the seams. We're growing and it's so cool and it's great. And then God started saying, yeah, forget the church for a second. Think about your life, Petey. And, and he started speaking to me in my, in my quiet moments with him of like, I'm doing something in your life, Petey. I'm, I'm, I'm developing new disciplines in you. I'm, I'm refining parts of your character. I'm, I'm giving you what you need to rise up into new levels of leadership. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something in you. And then he started turning my hearts towards you all. And I started thinking about your stories and what God's been doing in your life. And, and, and he, he started reminding me, God's doing something in your life. Not just in the church, not just in our church, not just in the preacher's life, in your life. God is doing something. God's doing something in your marriages. God's doing something in your business. God's doing something in your mental health and your spiritual health. God is doing something. And I feel like because God is, is doing something, he, like he's on the cusp. I, I, I don't know what it is. I can't put words to it. I just see it. I'm seeing too much. God is doing something. And so because of that, we need to get ready. Get ready. Get ready, get ready. God, if, if God is going to do something in the next season of your life, you have to be ready for it. And so for the next few weeks, I'm just gonna share with you from the life of Jesus what I feel like he was teaching me in my time with him on how he wants me to get ready and how I think he wants our church to get ready and I think he wants to use it to help you get ready for whatever it is that he's about to do. Get ready. Are you ready to get ready? Yeah, yeah. Some, I, 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 lo- I love that feeling in the room right now because I know it's like last service when I said this, they're like, yeah, yeah, we're ready. But I know a lot of people are like, oh no, what does this mean? If God's about to do something in my life, what does that mean? And I, I, I just, I want you to face the future. I want you to look into the future with optimism. I want you to understand that with Jesus, the best days are always ahead of you. Jesus says, you know, so much to us that, 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 that lends us towards optimism. I love how Paul writes it in Corinthians. He says that no eye has seen, no mind has comprehended, no ear has heard what God has in store for those who love him. If you love God, he's got something really good in store for you. So get ready, get ready. And, and, and today, my message for you from John chapter six is called the fence of offense. 
all right? The fence of offense. If you wanna get ready for the next thing that God has for you, the next big thing is about to, uh, about to accomplish in your life, you need to relearn how to be offended. You gotta learn to deal with the fence of offense. John chapter six, we start in verse 53. If you're, new to, if, you're, if you're new to the Bible, if you're new to Peak City and new to this whole concept, um, Jesus in John chapter six is at the height of his ministry. He has thousands of people following him, but he knows that there are thousands of people who are following him for not the, the most deep spiritual godly reasons, okay? He, he, he knows that the crowds are following him because he's a miracle worker. Okay, he has done things that draw crowds. He turned water to wine, and free booze will always attract the masses. He's taken fishes and loaves and turned them into a meal that feeds 10,000 plus. He knows that a free happy meal is gonna draw in the masses. He, he's got thousands following him, but he knows that they're not following him for the right reasons. He knows that in this moment, he has to separate the real ones from the fake ones. You know in your life you've got some real ones? If you didn't know, let me inform you. You have some real ones in your life. There are people in your life who love you and will love you and accept you and support you no matter what you do. They will have your back when you mess up. When you say the wrong thing, they're still in. They're not going anywhere. They're the real ones. But let me also inform you that you got some fake ones in your life. You got some people in your life that the minute you stop dance monkey dancing, they're gone. You got real ones and you got fake ones. And Jesus knew he had real ones and fake ones and he, he knows that it, for the sake of the movement, for the sake of changing the world, he's gotta figure out who the real ones are. And so the way he's gonna do it is he's gonna share a teaching in a very, very extreme way. Okay, it's a true teaching, it is true, but he's going to say it in a very shocking, shocking way. Verse 53, we pick up together. It says, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you, <laughs> my guy ain't messing around today, man. He says, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me, what kind of vampire, zombie episode of Jesus are we in right now? <laughs> we like in the last of us, the walking dead Jesus version. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And he said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. He said this while teaching in a very upright, spiritual, um, uh, buttoned up, wear your Sunday best atmosphere. He says, you wanna live forever? You want uh, life to the full, abundant life? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And everyone would have looked at him and went, Huh? <laughs> what are we talking about here? Like this is not, this is not a crowd pleaser. This is not, and, and it's so strange because like 
He said basically the same thing a few verses earlier. If you look in chapter six, he said the same thing just in a much more like Hallmark card way. He said, I am the bread of life. Anyone who comes to me will never hunger again. That's it, Jesus. That's the line. That's the marketing campaign. It ain't eat my flesh and drink my blood. <laughs> right? But he's saying the same thing. And you need to understand what he's saying is true. What he's saying is true. You must, if you want to experience life to the full, the good life that God has prepared for you, if you want to walk in abundant life, I'm not talking about just a, a ticket to heaven and your eternity's good. That's part of it. I'm talking about eternal life that starts right now and it's the best life you could ever imagine, life with Jesus. It starts when you put your trust and your faith in the sacrifice that Jesus made for you on the cross. It starts when you say what Jesus did when he stretched his arms out for me and he forgave me of my sins and he sacrificed his flesh and his blood for me. That is the source of my life. It is my sustenance. It's the thing that keeps me going. My whole life, I operate from a place of grace. That's the beginning of eternal life starting right here, right now. What he says is true. But did he have to say it that way? It's like, come on, man, give us a break, right? It's not what you said, it's how you said it. <laughs> We're trying to work on this with my daughter right now, my six-year-old daughter, and we got this sweet little baby girl named Tatum. She got cheeks, just like big old cheeks, just big old beautiful, luscious cheeks. And uh, she's sweet as could be, but she is getting sassy. She's getting like princess, and it's not like good princess, it's like evil princess, you know? And um. We're trying to say like, hey, it's not, it's not what you say, it's, it's like how you say it. So the other day she needed a drink and she wanted to get a drink, but we didn't have any milk. And so instead of just saying, hey mom, we're out of milk, could you get me a glass of water? Because I'm thirsty. She goes, mom, we don't even have any milk. I'm like, girl, who are you? And what planet did you come from, you little entitled girl? It's not what you said, it's how you said it. Like if you wanna achieve your desired outcome, right, the desired, the desired outcome would be give me a drink, you gotta say it more. Jesus, if your desired outcome is thousands of people following you, if your desired outcome is, is people, people in, in mass giving their lives to you, then you gotta say things a little bit more palatable. You gotta, you gotta change the way you say this because this is, a, this is a really hard, extreme thing you have said. And in fact, the disciples tell him, as much, they say this to themselves on, in verse 60. It says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. <laughs> this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Jesus, <laughs> this, is, this is tough. You've said something that does not uh, sit well with us. And aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this, here's the key word, offend you? Does this offend you? Well, then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? What if you see me ascend back to heaven and, and I'll show you for real that I'm God in the flesh? Would that change things? Would you still be offended? See, the Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. And these words I've spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. He says, I said what I said. And I said it the way I said it. And the way I said it is exactly the way that you need to hear it. You need to be offended. I said what I said. And, and yet there are some of you who still do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He knew who the real ones were and who the fake ones weren't. And so he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. He says, I, I'm, I, I'm gonna separate the real ones from the fake ones. I'm gonna say something that's true and I know that it's going to 
offend you. It's gonna offend you. See, what I've learned with God in 20 years of following him, and I didn't grow up in church, I didn't grow up with ambitions to be a pastor, none of that, but when I started following him 20 years ago at the age of 17, I learned very quickly something that is, um, I think it it bears uh, us sitting in for a bit. And that is that God has absolutely no problem offending you. We live in a culture right now where the only version of God we accept is the version that sits well with us. The only teachings we follow and embrace are the teachings that actually fit into our ideological box. But I'm telling you right now, God does not care to. In fact, he knows he has to. If he's gonna grow you, if he's gonna change you, he has to offend you. He has no problem saying something in a way that is extreme that will get under your skin and offend you. And and, and what I've learned is that not only will God allow you to be offended, it's just part of the journey, what I've learned is that he also allows, when that happens, he allows the enemy, and I believe is the enemy, the devil himself, to step into your life, and when you are offended, the enemy will build a fence of offense in your life, okay? It usually starts with something simple. Coworker says something to you that you don't like. Stupid Susie, stupid Todd, what are they doing? You know, they don't know anything. And you get mad at them. A boss gives you feedback that you don't like. How dare they? They don't know what it's like to be at this level of the organization. How dare they? And, and you get offended. A, 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 a classmate, you know, gossips about you. Something happens and you get offended by someone. And, and so it's cool, it's all, it, it happens. But what the devil will do is he'll put a fence up in your life and you will keep that person a little bit further away. It's not that you won't ever talk to him again, but you're going, you, like the devil will put a fence up, a fence of a fence, and it's gonna keep you protected. Right, it's, it's a good thing. But then it happens in other areas of your life. So like most recently, I could tell you in January, when we went through our marriage series together, I saw it happening in marriages, that there was a fence of a fence that gets built, even with the person that you say I do to. They say something, they do something, they side with their parents. <gasps> I'm reading your mail right now. Or, or they do something really, really, um, uh, difficult that breaks trust, right? And so it's, it's, it's an offense, it's real. And, the, and, and God will allow it to happen. And then the enemy will come in and he will build a fence of offense up. And, and it's not that you're not married anymore, you're working through it, but you're certainly not going to trust them like you used to. You're gonna, you're, there's certain areas of your life and your heart that you're gonna keep away from them because you saw that it wasn't safe. Again, it's just for self-protection. But then what's crazy, the craziest part that most people struggle to deal with is that not only does it happen in your co-working relationships, your neighbors, your classmates, not only does it happen with your family and the people you love, then God starts allowing you to get offended by him and by the church. <laughs> and all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, the church did something to me and you get this phrase that's very popular these days, you get church hurt and you're offended you were in a small group and someone didn't vote the same way you did and they were very passionate about telling you that they, that they do not agree with how you voted. You get into a serving opportunity and you get feedback on something that you did for free because you're a volunteer and you're like, how dare they? Uh, I get up here and say something that doesn't sit with you and, and, and all of a sudden I'm the bad guy and, I, and I've offended you and we've never even talked about it. But, but then sometimes it's God 
Sometimes God, like you learn God's position on something. You learn his, his, his heart on uh, sexuality or abortion or name your hot button topic and you don't like how it sits with you. And so what you do is, it's, it's not that you're gonna walk away from faith, it's not that, that you're gonna stop going to church, but you allow the enemy to build a fence of offense in your life and so you just keep people at a distance. You, you keep God at a little bit of a distance. You don't allow him to have access to every area of your life. And again, this is just for protection, right? Like sometimes fences are great. My wife and I, we were, um, a couple weeks ago, we were up in the mountains celebrating our 16 year wedding anniversary. We celebrate every year, not just five, 10, 15, 20. We believe every single year that you can stay in, uh, in love and married is worth celebrating. And we are gonna keep doing it. So we're up in the mountains, a couple nights away from the kids. Oh, blessed Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And we're sitting in the, in, in the backyard, this little cabin up in the mountains, middle of nowhere, and there's a, there a little hot tub in the back. So we're sitting in the hot tub hanging out, and I see they've got this fence in the backyard, and it's like the size of these little fences. I'm like, this is the most silly fence in the Rocky Mountains. A bear does not have a problem with this. A mountain lion does not care. But it did protect us from one thing, because we're sitting there in the hot tub, and, and all of a sudden my wife goes, Petey, look, there's a fox. And this little fox darting through the woods behind us. And my first thought was, do foxes eat people? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, man. I don't trust this wildlife out here, man. We, we got foxes just running around all over the place in Kentucky, man. Foxes everywhere. I didn't know if they, they ate people. So at, at that point, I was very thankful for the little fence that blocked the fox from coming and, and eating us while we were in the hot tub, right? It's for your self-protection. Here's the deal. There are some things in your life where you, there's some areas of your life and some relationships where you do need healthy boundaries. I know that's like the, Healthy boundaries, like the, it's like the most popular phrase with the current generations that are becoming wise to counseling, right? You need healthy boundaries to eliminate toxic people from your life, right? All that's good, not saying you don't need healthy boundaries. What I am saying though, and what I believe God sent me here to tell you, is that when it comes to the fences that you allow to be built in your life, you need to be careful. You need to be careful about how you respond when you are offended. You need to be careful about setting up boundaries to block out people who have wronged you. You need to be very, very, very careful about the fences that you have allowed to exist in your life because here's the truth that nobody wants to hear but is absolutely true, especially for the follower of Jesus who's, who all of your sins have been forgiven because of God. There's no one who could be offended more than Jesus and yet he still stretched his arms out to die for you. Right? Nobody wants to hear this, but it's absolutely true. Not everyone who offends you is toxic. Scott, I knew you'd be the only man going with me on this. I was counting on you. Not, not everybody who says the wrong thing to you is toxic. Not everyone who has wronged you needs to be pushed out of your life. Foxes don't eat people. The fence doesn't actually help you in every instance. And in fact, what I'm learning more, again, this is what, what I'm sharing with you, what God is processing with me. What I'm learning more and more is that when I allow the devil to put a fence of a fence up in my life when someone wrongs me, that really what's happening, depending on how I handle this, really what's happening is the devil is just trying to make my life smaller. The, the devil, the thief, the accuser, he seeks, to kill, he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And that sounds like a massive event. 
when really what I'm learning is that it's just little by little he makes your life smaller and he just chokes out your life little by little. You see what I'm learning? Again, I, 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 I wanna share my heart with you. I wanna share, just kind of peel back the curtain on, on my life and how God is teaching me in this. What I learned is that when I get offended um, and the fence of offense goes up in my, in, in, in my life and I, I block somebody out and, and it happens gradually, but what happens is if I don't deal with it right, the fence gets closer. And I move the fence a little closer and I block more people out. See, like in church world, it's easy because like on this side of the fence, um, you got like keyboard warriors, people who love sending emails. And man, I, one, one day we'll have a fun little party when we've gotten enough years past it and I've been through enough counseling and I'll share with you all the funny emails. But like I've gotten emails where like, hey, we don't like the way you dress. You dress weird. We don't like the way you preach. You yell too much. We don't like, um, we don't like uh, your shoes. I've gotten that one before. We don't think you are professional enough. Uh, professional enough. We don't think you seem like a, a pastor. You're kind of a joke. That's all real. And what's crazy is I, what God was convicting me of and teaching me is that I have allowed the way that I handle being offended I've allowed it to move this fence so close in on my life that honestly, at this point, guys, I hate, I hate opening my inbox. You should never be in a place where you're just nervous to read an email. And, and let me tell you why it's even crazier. It's because I'm sitting here and the fence is close and I'm nervous when I open my inbox on Monday morning what it's gonna be like and the fence is close. You know what's crazy about that? Is that we actually don't even have a church with people who really complain anymore. I ran them all off. They call that in the church world a blessed subtraction. Y'all are like the most encouraging congregation I've ever served with. It's amazing. There's not a church in our country that I'd rather be the pastor of. I, 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 got, I got notes. <clears throat> I got notes, I got emails, I got letters, I got so much encouragement from you guys. Y'all are awesome. And you uh, lift my family up and you lift me up and it's just beautiful. Love, it's, you. love you too, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I still get nervous. <laughs> I'm still nervous. I, I still be in the inbox and I feel like God was saying, yeah, because you've allowed the devil to make your life small. You have allowed the devil to convince you that nobody can be trusted that's a keyboard warrior. But then I go, yeah, but it's not just the keyboard warriors. You know, the other side of it is like, man, it's also, it's also people that, I, that aren't keyboard warriors. It's people that I have seen face to face. You know, when I was, when I first, when we first moved here about three and a half years ago, um, right before then I listened to this podcast. It was like, what to expect as a lead pastor in your first three years. And the podcast was like uh, doom and gloom. It was like, hey, in the first three years, it doesn't matter how good it goes, you're gonna see a ton of people leave, ton of turnover, it's just gonna happen. I'm like, all right, so, you know, first couple of years, you just see it. Like, so-and-so who was a key volunteer left. So-and-so who said they'd always be with you is gonna leave. All right, I'm, I'm expecting year one, year two, COVID was crazy. You know, I, I get it, whatever, but I could just see, like, I was just not trusting anyone. And then year three hits. And I'm like, year three, we launched the building. We're growing like a weed. We're doing the thing, man. People are getting baptized. Jesus is, is being lifted up. Surely ain't nobody gonna leave this year. And then year three, which is what I was told is that the hardest year is when the people who were closest to you at the very beginning start to leave. And I saw it. 
people who said, no, in the beginning it was, oh, we're gonna love you no matter what. It don't matter what decision you make, we're in. We got you back to the end. And they left and they left and they left. And I'm like, all right. My life used to be wide open. <laughs> and now I'm sitting here like, I don't wanna check my inbox and I don't trust nobody. And I'm like, oh, and this is why lead pastors always say they struggle with loneliness. I mean, that's why. Because you get offended and you, you, you lose the ability to trust people. You're, you, you're using this fence to protect yourself, right? You get offended and the first thing is get defensive. You gotta protect yourself. I was like, but you know what, that's just church work. <laughs> that's just church work. But then, about six months ago, six to 12-ish months ago, I started getting offended and some relationships started breaking down that had nothing to do with church. Some friends I really counted on, some people that I thought I'd be connected to for the long haul, things that had nothing to do with church. And I found myself with this boxed-in life where it wasn't just church that was hurting me. It wasn't, I wasn't just angry about church, I was angry about other stuff that had nothing to do with church, and I was just so offended. I'm so like, man, what, in, what is happening? And I just sat back and I looked like, oh, this is what the devil does. He seeks to steal, kill, and destroy your life, and the way he does it is a gradual choke out. Gradually chokes you out. Take it off me and I put it back on you. I know this is not a, oh my gosh, the plight of the pastor. Oh, poor, poor. No, 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 this is you. This is every single one of us. You are all right now living, I'm telling you, I, I can see it on your faces, I, I can see it in conversation with you. You're living with a smaller backyard than you ever imagined. The fence is closing in, and every person that offends you, you get less trusting. Every person that wrongs you, you push even more people out, to the point that I'm telling you, you're, go you're going to end up alone. You're gonna end up with a life that has been robbed from you just because you can't handle being offended. The devil wants you he wants nothing more than to block out as many people from your life as possible. If you've been hurt by the church, the devil wants nothing more than to have you sitting in the seats and listening, but never actually getting out and participating in building because you're afraid of getting hurt again. The devil wants nothing more for you to never sign up for a small group because you can't bear your soul to anyone again because you got hurt that one time and you can't stand to do it again. He wants to scare you out of the life that God has for you. And what I'm learning, what God is rewiring in my heart and my soul. I can, I can see it happening every day as I process this with him. What he's rewiring in me is very challenging. It's very offensive. But I believe it's the truth and I believe it's what you need to hear today. Is that there are some times in your life when you are offended and it sucks and you've been treated wrong. Right? Sometimes you get treated wrong and, and it's natural to put this thing up. It's, it's survival. Sometimes that's the case. But what God's also teaching me and what I believe he wants to share to your heart today is that sometimes you are being offended. I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip sometimes. I'm gonna go the vast majority of the time. You are being offended for your own good. The feeling of being offended what I'm learning, what I'm trying to rewire, instead of when I get, get, get offended, instead of getting defensive, what I'm learning more and more is that when I get offended, that it's actually like God's built-in alarm system, that there's something in my life, there's some wound in my life that needs to be healed. There's something inside of me that's not right. You know, like, one of the most offensive things in the world to me is actually not a person, it's this stupid Apple Watch. 
Tamar is a smart watch. You know what I'm talking about. It's, it's an offensive, abrasive. It, it, it does not mess around with you. There are times I'll get a little, and it'll say, Petey, um, you haven't stood up for three hours. You should try standing. Circulation is a good thing. Stand. Go do it, Petey. Now. I'm like, who, who, what gives you the right? You don't even know what I'm doing with my life, Apple Watch. Why don't you shut up for a second? Then like an hour later, I'll do it again. Voot, voot. It'll say, hey, we noticed that you haven't come close to closing any of your exercise rings today, especially your move ring. Move! <laughs> and I'm like, shut up! Here's the truth, though. It's right. These things are so, these are like scarily built with intelligence. It knows when you're standing. It knows when you're sitting. It knows that you haven't done anything with your life today. <laughs> it's not wrong. It's right. And what I'm learning is that when you're offended, it's this alarm system that God has given you to say something's not right inside of me right now. I, I, I need to deal with something. There's something going on inside of me, and, and, and I need to pay attention to it. I need to pay close See, instead of using the, the, when you get offended, instead of picking this up and getting defensive, you should actually just get curious. God, would you teach me why I'm so mad right now? Would you teach me why that rubs me wrong? Would you show me, is, is the thing inside of me, is it godly anger? Which it could be, 99% of the time it's not. Would you teach, get curious instead of defensive and watch what God does. Because I believe, you know, it was funny, when I had these set up and I was like, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tell them through the blood of Jesus who's forgiven me of everything, you can kick down the fences in your life. I was gonna like kick these things down. I actually ordered an extra fence in case I broke one first service. I was ready to kick. What I realized is that's actually not what's happening. When you get offended, the choice is yours. Will you allow the devil to move it closer and, and choke out your life? Or will you ask God to teach you and push it out? It's like when you get offended by um, the feedback you got from your boss at work and you sit back and go, God, why am I so mad at my boss right now? You know, he's probably gonna, you know what he's probably doing? He's probably trying to teach you that you've put too much of your identity in your job. You are a human being, not a human doing. Your job title is not your identity, but you have put way too much affirmation in, in, in the hands of your boss when you actually need to be finding your identity in Jesus. That's where you need to be and God's trying to wake you up to it. See, when, when you're feeling insecure, when you walk into your high school classroom and you're, and, 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 and you're so mad that, that, that people don't like you or people don't invite you or you can't get into that crowd, that, that, that anger that comes out, you're so offended, God is probably trying to teach you and grow your confidence in him, in how he's made you, in the way that he loves you so that the confidence you have from Jesus is stronger and louder than the opinions of other people. He's trying to teach you. When there's something that's taught at church and you don't like it and it makes you mad, well, guess what? The, the fact you feel offended, you need to see it as the grace of God in your life because God does not want you to worship a version of him that you have made up in your mind that, that, that sounds good on social media. He wants you to worship him in spirit and in truth. He wants you to know who he really is, not some fake, stupid version of him. He wants you to see the beauty of who he really is. And so the fact that you're offended, listen up, listen up, Be, get curious, get curious. Jesus wants to open the doors of your life. He wants to expand your life. He wants to teach you forgiveness and reconciliation. Jesus wants to teach you patience with people because you know he's had patience with you. 
Jesus wants your life to be seen. Whereas the enemy wants to make your life smaller and smaller and smaller. If you will trust Jesus, when you're offended, if you will resist the urge to get defensive and instead get curious, Jesus teach me, Jesus grow me. If you'll do that, the enemy wants your life to get smaller and smaller. God just wants to make your life bigger and bigger. God does not want your life to be shackled up in bitterness. God does not want your life to be held back in, in judgment and unforgiveness. No, 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 no. He wants to set you free from that. I love how Paul writes it in Romans chapter five. He says, we throw open our doors to God and we discover at the same moment that he's already thrown open his door to us. And we find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. That's where I wanna live my life. I want, I want to stand in a wide open field of my life. Get ready. Get ready. God, what God is about to do in your life, if it's going to be big, if it's going to be incredible, if he's going to move like I think he's going to move, you've got to learn how to handle being offended. You've got to learn that every time you're offended, God is trying to grow you. He's trying to stretch you. He's trying to teach you. Get ready, get ready, get ready. The next season of your life, the thing you're, get to, the, the, the thing you're about to step into, you have to be offended in order to get there. God has to offend you. He has to offend your habits. He has to offend your disciplines. He has to offend your current limited perspective. He has to offend you if he's gonna get you where he wants to take you. And you know what's funny is like, I say that, I can see it in your eyes, I can see it. We good? I'm gonna keep preaching. I'll just yell, if the mic cuts out, I'll just start yelling, all right? I know that you hear that and you go, man, I, I want that life. Nobody wants a limited life. Nobody wants the devil to shrink their life. Ain't none of us wanna end up with a funeral where nobody's there to celebrate you and to remember you. No, I'm gonna, come on. But that's what the devil's after. And if you don't learn how to handle being offended, that's where you're gonna end up. Nobody wants that. Everyone wants the big life that God has for them. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can fully comprehend what God has in store for those who love him. Everybody wants it. But what I know and what Jesus knew is that very few people will travel that path. Very few people will actually fight through being offended and continue to follow Jesus. Very few people will trust him through the offense. And most people will, will just let the devil keep squeezing out their life. And I know that to be true, because you read it in the very next verse. John chapter six, verse 66, it says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and they no longer followed him. Can you imagine what that would be like for Jesus? To sit there and say, man, I turned water to wine for you I fed thousands for you. I've been healing people left and right. And the, the first time I say something that you don't like, you turn and walk away. But again, he knew. He knew it would separate the real ones from the fake ones. He knew that it would, he knew it would be a dividing line for people. And he's standing there watching these people that he loves, that he was about to die for. He's watching them walk away. He's watching them abandon him just because he said one thing in a way they didn't like. And he turns to his disciples, the 12, the, the closest core. And he knows everything about them. He knows where their hearts are. 
And he turns to them and he says this, he asks them this question, I believe he's asking you the same question, I believe he's asking me the same question, I think he's asking our church the same question. If you're offended, here's the question. You don't wanna leave too, do you? Receive that in your heart right now. Jesus right now is looking at you. Whatever area of your life you know you need to grow in, whatever area of your life you know that he's calling you to step into that's uncomfortable, whatever aspect of, whatever offense you're thinking of, whatever person you feel like you can't forgive, and you know Jesus is calling you to trust him with it, and most won't, Jesus is looking at you right now straight into the, the eye of your soul and saying, you don't wanna leave too, do you? Are you gonna leave when it gets tough? Are you gonna leave when I say something you don't like or I ask you to do something you don't like? You're not gonna leave too, are you? And Peter's response, I believe, and I'm praying will be the response of our church. I'm praying will be my response. So I'm telling you right now, um, over the past three years, I've allowed the fences to move in. Uh, I'm committed to what Peter's about to say. That's been my commitment to God. I will not let the devil squeeze out my life. I will not live in bitterness. I will not live in, in anger. I will not live in resentment towards people who've treated me wrong. I, I, I will not do it. I'm committed to letting God do what only he can do. I'm committed to Peter's response. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? <laughs> to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. When everyone else is walking away and Jesus says, you gonna leave too? Where would we go? Lord, to whom shall we go? Who else can teach us to forgive like this? Who else can teach us to love like this? Who else can reconcile relationships like this? Lord, to whom would we go? to figure out how to navigate the complexities of our soul and the complexities of our emotions. God, to whom would we go? There's no one but you. There's no one who's been able to handle being offended like you, Jesus. When you took on our sin and our shame and you bore it on the cross, Lord, there's nowhere else we could turn. I think that's the response that Jesus wants from you. And I believe that's the response that Jesus wants for our church. And I just gotta believe, again, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. If our church is gonna enter into the next season that I believe he's about to do, and if you in your life are about to step into the thing he's doing in your life, I believe you need, need to draw a line in the sand. Have that line in the sand moment with Jesus and say, Jesus, even if you offend me, and you know he'll have to, so not even if, even when you offend me, I'm in. I will follow you to the end. Lord, to whom shall we go? And I wanna give you the chance to make that decision. Maybe some of you for the very first time. Um, we had three or four people first service. One was a, a sweet elderly lady in the back row who simply raised her hand to say, after this long life I've lived, I'm ready to start following Jesus. Uh, it, it, it's happening all over the place. Maybe that's your re response today, but it, if it's not a first time decision, I, I want us as a church, if you're here and you're in, I want you to pray about committing to God that no matter what happens, I'm with you, Jesus. To whom shall we go? No one else can lead us through this. No one else can get us to the next season but him. And so let's, let's enter into that time of decision together. Would you stand with me to your feet? We do this at the end of every service. 
as a private moment between you and God. We believe that's where all great life change begins. And so if you would go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes to create that privacy for others in the room. If you're here and you know, you know that Jesus is the one that you've been searching for. You've, you've been running away for a long time and, and you know that the, the things that have offended you were actually God trying to reach you is the grace of God at work in your life. And, and, and you're ready today to become a Christian. You don't have to have the Bible memorized. You don't have to have your life cleaned up. It's, it, it's just about being ready to say, to, to say yes to the beginning of the journey. If that's the decision you wanna make today, a first time decision to start following Jesus, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three as a private decision between you and God. One, two, three. It's beautiful, I see those, it's incredible. Come on, man, that's beautiful. It's beautiful, keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's celebrate the fact that people just gave their lives to Jesus in this room. Keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you just raised your hand, those people who, those brave souls who just did, I hope you understand that you just made the most important decision of your life. You're in the middle of a family that's gonna support you through thick and thin. We got your back no matter what. And this is the beginning of everything changing for you. We're so pumped for you. For the rest of us, if you know, you know that the future God has for you will, will require you trusting Jesus through being offended, trusting him, saying, God, search me, know my heart, see if there's any offensive way in me, God, and lead me in your way everlasting. If you wanna commit to following Jesus, no matter what it takes, no matter what you get offended by, if that's the commitment you wanna make to Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three, one, two, three. Come on, hands up all over the room. Let's go, man. Keep your hands up. Let's pray together. Jesus, these hands that are up right now, we are committing to you that whatever it takes, we will follow. Whatever it takes, we trust you. Whatever areas of our heart, our lives, our relationships that are offensive, God, offend us. We're ready. We want more of you. And we know that you'll lead us like this, God, and we'll trust ourselves to you, that the future we have with you is bigger, is brighter, is better, and that gets us so excited. Jesus, we love you. We surrender to you, and we pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus together by saying amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate what God did in the room today. Let's go. Thank you so much for joining us for this Peak City message today. If you'd like more information on Peak City Church or if you'd like to give to the mission here in Colorado Springs, then check us out at peakcityco.com.